need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, so I goofed big time. More than 200 episodes in this show, and I'm still very human, I guess. Scott, right? Big, big shout out to Scott. He's one of you guys, listeners. He actually reached out to me on Twitter and let me know that I had a repeat audio situation from Monday's episode. I actually posted Monday's audio to Tuesday's episode with the title of the interview. So I had to replace the audio on Tuesday's episode with a repost from one of my older and more popular episodes from a few months ago. Learn to read charts. Uh, learn to read people and not charts. So this is actually part one, like the real part one of my interview. Uh, my wonderful guest today, which was supposed to be yesterday, Lisa, a former accountant turned super investor, is here to help us understand yet another avenue of making money work for you. Stocks are my thing. Real estate is her thing. Listen to us discuss the pros and cons of both and tune in tomorrow for the real part two uh, of my interview with Lisa Hilton, a real estate syndicator and host of the Level Up REI podcast. Stay tuned. Hi, guys. My name is Lisa Hilton. I am the host of the Level Up REI podcast. I'm also the founder and CEO of LisaHilton.com. I help entrepreneurs and business owners invest in tax-efficient real estate investments. I'm originally from the Cayman Islands, and I live in sunny California. And when I'm not investing in real estate, you can find me hiking the trails, getting outdoors, swimming, paddleboarding, scuba diving, and just doing all the outdoor stuff. So that's me. Awesome. Well, two comments. I will say my first impression is she works out because you look fit. <laughs> so when you said paddleboard, I'm like, that makes sense. And the second thing, I'm also from the islands as well. If you didn't know, I'm from Jamaica. Oh. Um, so it's nice to see. It's nice to speak to another a fellow islander. Yes. Um, so my parents are Jamaican, by the way. No kidding. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, look at that. Again, like we said before, a small world. Very. world indeed. So before I hit record, we're talking about uh, what you do uh, mm -hmm. primarily besides hiking the trail and paddleboarding. Mm -hmm. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I am a real estate syndicator. And what I, what that entails is, I well, I'll allow you to go down that road, but I guess um, at a high level, I'm a real estate syndicator. My focus is commercial real estate um, and specifically uh, recession-resistant recession real estate assets. And what those are are multifamily, self-storage, and mobile home parks. So that's yeah. what I primarily like to invest in. Yeah. So you, you were working at uh, Aries Investment? Yes. Um, so how did you make that? Where did that transition happen? When did you decide to go off and do your own thing? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I had been before Aries, I was an auditor for 10 years. Um, my background is accounting. I went to school for accounting, did 10 years in public accounting, three different cities. Last city was LA. Um, and I always um, audited funds. So private equity, mutual funds, all the different funds. Um, and then I left to go work for Aries, which is an investment manager that raises funds. Um, and I remembered when I started there, a girl who was there that I knew um, before me, and she was actually leaving. Uh, she said to me, she was like, you know, it'll take you six months to figure out what you're doing and then six months to figure out whether you like it or not. And yeah, six months to figure out what I was doing. And in that second six months, I realized, hey, this was not going to be my long-term career but I didn't know what the next chapter was going to be. Um, and I think that's what well, I know. That's the birth of like entrepreneurship, because in that second six months, it was like 2017. And that's when I, I started my first business, which was uh, real estate um, accounting for real estate investors. And the job was private equity real estate. So I was a controller on private equity real estate funds. So funds that were created to invest in commercial real estate with high net worth and institutional investors. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, I went from starting that business, doing a lot of research, talking to people and then realizing, oh, this is not what I want to do because it doesn't really lend, lend well with my skill set. Um, to then moving on to a second business that was more like heavily on sales, all while still working. Um, and then, you know, wanting to invest in real estate in in L.A. <laughs> I wanted to buy a duplex, but uh, L.A. is very expensive market. One point something million dollars for a duplex um, in the area that I was living. I wanted to keep my commute really tiny. And it was just like it was just a you know, tall order. And I just couldn't depart with like 200 and something thousand dollars to buy a duplex and then also find money to fix it up. Uh, so I was just like, okay, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, and then I went from that to looking at turnkey outside of California. So like, you know, Alabama, Florida, you know, Atlanta and all these different places. But I had bought a property when I was in Cayman and I was burned uh, meaning that I bought something that I loved and I didn't understand that you needed to run the numbers. Um, and I lost money every single year for five years. And that experience seared me. Um, and I said, you know what? I'm not buying any more real estate. So when I did came around to buying real estate again, I was very conservative because I wanted to make sure it was properties that actually cash flowed. And I wasn't just, I wasn't floating the property. Um, so yeah, so as a result, that took a while with the whole turnkey thing and I just couldn't pull the trigger. And then I found syndication. Like I didn't re I wasn't really looking for it. You know, I just met someone who was doing it and I was like, oh, I didn't even know this is possible. I just thought it was like the big companies I work for is the only people that do this stuff. And I was like surprised. <laughs> it was like a whole other world. Wow. Yeah. So, so, so tell me what syndication, syn tell me what syndication is. There's some other things I want to pull back yeah. from that conversation, but what is syndication so we can tie it all together? Yeah, totally. So syndication are group investments where that allow people to buy assets that are larger than what they would have been able to do on their own. 
Okay. Okay. So, and do you create like a, you create like a shell company or something like that where? We will create an LLC um, and that LLC will buy the investment. Mm -hmm. And then our investors, ourselves and our investors will invest, will put their money, pool their money into that LLC, which then buys the asset. But, oh, okay. Okay. So interesting. And yeah. as a, so that's something like I, I, um, I've been told that's what like a Grant Cardone does. Like he doesn't, yes. that's where he, most of his net worth comes from. Is that Correct. right? Correct. And then you can go, then you could create a fund. So some people will call that a fund, but it's like a single asset vehicle, single purpose vehicle where you just create an LLC to invest in one deal. Um, however, the the what I typically worked on for many, many years is where these companies will create an LLC, indeed, and that LLC, they'll raise money from investors. So they'll do like a billion dollar fund. The money will come into the fund um, and your eyes are going big. And I'm telling you, like, this is real stuff. And like, they'll then create other LLC. Every single property will have its own LLC. Within and then the fund. within the fund. So okay. typically um, funds will have, you know, it could be as little as two investments or it could one investment or it could be like 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 100 investments. But they all have their own LLC and then that will then go and acquire the asset. Oh, my God. Okay, so... So and there's gonna... so much. <laughs> yeah, I know. I bet because I, I have at least a list of questions went down in my head. Um, let's circle back to the Cayman Islands. Yes. You said you got seared. Do, do you feel like do you feel like a lot of investors need that experience, or should they try to avoid getting burned? Because in my experience, like with the stock market, I learn a lot quicker when I lose money. Yeah. But that, but I try my best not to lose money. Mm-hmm. Right. So obviously we don't want to, as you said, right, float the property. Uh, but did you feel like getting started was an important part of that? Or do you wish you like were more conservative even back then? You know, I think for me, I believe that everything happens for a reason. So I wouldn't I don't regret what happened. Right. But I don't think that people need to lose money to learn. Like, I think that you can learn from other people and skip some of those um you know, pitfalls. Back when I bought that property, like bigger pockets and those kind of uh, platforms were not around. Like they didn't really even exist then. So, you know, and the thing is, I grew up in a real estate family. So my father is a contractor. He built 14 apartment units. So I'd been around real estate and apartments. Um, but I didn't really like my parents and I didn't really talk about that kind of stuff. Like, you know, it was just more like, oh, you definitely you need to go to school. Definitely you need to get a good education. Like my parents are, you know, Jamaican, like they believe in getting a good education, which I really appreciate. Yeah. So, yeah, 100 percent. I, I, I feel that myself. So my mom, when I would get a 90 something on the grade, she'd always ask where the extra points were. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, but yeah. So the, 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 you said the syndication, how do you, like, how does the average person wrap their head around the syndication? Like, okay, you told us what it is. Yes. I want to, I don't necessarily want to build this, like be the person who runs it. But if yeah. I were to put in a thousand dollars, 
how does that work? Like, what if someone puts in more money than me? Like, like sure. how does that work? Yeah, 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 totally, totally. So the way it works is as follows, is typically syndications will have a minimum investment. I have seen one or two that get down to $1,000, but they're not frequently at 1000 They're typically between, I would say about 50K is what you're going to find most syndications, the minimum investment. Um, and that 50K will then give you shares in the security. So what you're do, what the syndicators are doing is they're creating a security, which is registered under the SEC. Like it's, um, I wouldn't say registered, but it's regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission here in the United States. Um, and there are exemption laws that enable us um, to then sort of have these like create these kind of securities very quickly, um, but in accordance with the regulations. So when someone invests 50K, they're going to get a private placement agreement or private placement memorandum that is going to clearly outline, okay, your 50K gives you 50 shares in this this real estate investment or a thousand shares. So it sort of outlines clearly like how much shares you're getting in that particular deal. Okay. And then when, so if say that deal and you collect X amount of money a month, Mm -hmm. you get paid out based on the percentage of the security you own. Yes. So if it's a thousand dollars and you own 10%, you're going to get a hundred dollars. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And, and is it the same? So now, I mean, you have a little less control, right? So it's like stocks, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it seems like the, the worlds just keep coming back yeah. together. Yeah, let's talk. Like, I'm happy to talk <laughs> about how it's similar to stocks and how it's Please. different. How it's Please. different. That's why so we're here. So it's similar to stocks because it's passive. So just like stocks, you do your research, you do your research on stocks, you do your research on You're going to do different research on real estate syndications, and we can go into that separately, right? But from a high level, you do your research, you decide to invest in stock market or real estate syndication. And then once you invest, that's it. Like your part of the deal is done. Um, And then the differences, though, there are a couple differences. Stock market is super liquid. So you don't like what's going on. You can sell your stocks, get out, get your cash and move on. Real estate, not so much. You know, once you invest in a real estate syndication, typically you're locked in for the ride. So think roller coaster, like you're going to be locked in on the roller coaster. You're, you're, you're in for now. Um, however, some of the benefits with real estate syndication versus stocks is this is where you then, in my opinion, I think people got to, when they're thinking about investing in real estate, they need to get super clear about what brings them to the party. Um, And I've seen this even in the institutional space where sometimes people don't, even at that level, don't get clear. And what I mean is when you're investing in real estate, there's so many different types of investments. So there are investments that are like development projects and like opportunistic type projects. And then you have like value add and then you have core. Um, the core is typically the most safer ones. Like you're buying like, um, a Ritz Carlton or a class A apartment building or class A office space or something like that. The cash flow is, is typically you have a lower risk and more consistent cash flow. 
um, and probably maybe a ton of appreciation, but not that much. Value add, that's where you could get, it's like the sweet spot of appreciation and cash flow together. Um, and so a lot of investors will sort of play in that space. Then you want people who want to get like 20 plus returns, like 20 plus IRR returns and et cetera. Those people will then play in the opportunistic space, um, which is like development projects or deep value add. The thing is those projects many times don't come with any consistent cash flow because you're taking that risk. So it needs time for the operator to do their work in order you know, to turn the property to get it to a place where it is cash flowing. Uh, and so I think that's like one of the biggest things that like is different from like maybe stocks per se. Well, maybe I guess it's similar, but it's different in the sense that like there's so many different layers there. Um, and I think the second thing is like the tax benefits of investing in real estate. So when you invest, like I like to stay in the sweet spot, like I like value add. That's my bread and butter. Um, and so these properties will kick off cash flow. That cash flow ends up coming to me without me paying any taxes on it. And that's because we will do things like cost segregation studies on the property that enables us to accelerate the depreciation expense. So when we send a K-1 out to our investors, they have a negative um, Basic, like they'll show like a negative value for their investment in the deal, even though they've gotten cash flows the entire year. Um, and then when we sell the property, they have an opportunity. Two things can go on there. Like the property, I'm in a property now that's selling. Um, it's a 250 unit apartment buildings, two of them in Atlanta, and that's doing a 1031 exchange. So as a result, people don't end up having to pay any taxes because we're rolling that into a new property, 344 unit property also in Atlanta. So like this enables the investor to not pay any taxes. Now you're into another property and you're now going to get more cash flow. And you start the process all over with cost segregation studies and depreciation expenses, and that can keep going. Um, so yeah, you know. It's that's one of the things that are different from stocks is that you're going to like once you cash out, you're going to have to pay taxes. Like for us, when we're investing in real estate, like you can get really creative in terms of like how you invest. And even if you don't end up having a 1031 exchange and you end up cashing out, getting your money, as long as you look and invest in another deal that is going to come with those kinds of tax benefits, it can offset the gains that you've. Um, receive that year. In tomorrow's episode, we're going to dive uh, deep into how you find the perfect deal for you when you decide to enter the real estate market. And again, remember, real estate and stock market are, they're like sisters, right? Damn near identical. Um, so even though we're talking about real estate in this uh, particular interview, a lot of the things that she says in terms of how to find the perfect deal is actually uh, very, very similar to find how, how to find the perfect stock to buy and trade to make. 
right? So don't think that it's just real estate we're talking about here, right? There's a crossover that's so beautiful, which is why I bring real estate uh, guests on here, experts on here to talk about their strategies. Um, so it, it's you know it's not enough to just know a bunch of stuff about real estate or just know much stuff about the stock market, right? You can have the perfect strategy. None of that matters unless you have a good idea of who you are uh, and addressing the mental side of, of, of investing. So make sure you tune in tomorrow and take the survey so I can shout you out uh, in the intro. This has been your host, Alex Cunningham, saying be well and remember, as you begin searching for answers to life's challenges, don't seek security, seek adventure. <laughs>